And uh, so a uh, man, uh, back in the t- days when the car was just becoming new and you were much more likely to see a horse and buggy on the road than you were a car, this man had a car and he, it broke down on the side of the road and several uh, horse and buggies passed by and, and uh, a few of them stopped, but no one could help him. And so uh, he's there uh, standing by his car and, and another car pulls up. And a guy gets out and, and starts talking to him and, and, and keeps asking if he can help. And he's like, no, no, I, I, I've had so many people, I don't think anyone can help. And uh, the man says, well, uh, let me introduce myself. My name's Henry Ford. <laughs> and uh, so uh, it, it makes all the difference. Um, and if we can leave the illustration behind uh, when we come into the presence of the creator of all the creator of the universe, and then as his children, when we realize and acknowledge that we are in his presence all the time, we have the indwelling of the Spirit. Uh, When we acknowledge that, when we submit to that, when we cry out to our creator, it will make all the difference. And and so uh, 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 I, I want us to look at Psalm 46 today. Um, it was, uh, interestingly enough, the psalm that inspired Martin Luther to write A Mighty Fortress Is Our God, and I asked Corey if we could sing that today. I know it's Pastor Stephen's favorite, so uh, he, he misses out. Uh, uh, so, uh, but uh, uh, it's a great psalm, and it speaks to uh, trying times in, in, in this day and many days before us, and I'm sure many days after, and... I think the prevailing thought, at least if you study, is that Hezekiah wrote this psalm, um, uh, this psalm in, in 47 and 48. Uh, the psalm itself just says, of the sons of Korah. Uh, and so I, I was looking for de- definitive proof that Hezekiah wrote it. I wanted to find his genealogy and, and, and find out he really was a descendant of Korah, and, and it's just not there. Uh, you won't find definitive proof that Hezekiah wrote it, even though it is the prevailing thought. But as we look at it, there's, there certainly are some key things that really do seem to fit his life. Uh, we're not going to, of course, uh, preach on that today. But if you want to go read that on your own, uh, it's in 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19. And, and you'll, just, you'll just see the parallels uh, in, in that psalm. But the psalm, I think, transcends that moment, if it was Hezekiah. It, it transcends that moment, and, and it applies to any trouble of any time and any day. In fact, it, it, it transcends our time. And so I, I think it will be appropriate today. It will be appropriate until the end of time. And so uh, let us read Psalm 46 together. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river who makes a, a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. 
The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Let us pray. Father, I just pray that I will be able to unfold this word and that you will speak to us, Lord. And I pray that we would be obedient to whatever you have for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, I, I don't want to focus too, too much on, on uh, the history of the context of Hezekiah. And so I, I, I really wrestled with whether I should include that. But uh, when it came down to it, I couldn't, I couldn't prove that it was him. And, and, and I felt like this psalm transcended that. And, and instead, I wanted to focus on just the beauty of the words and what God was trying to say to us. And, and really, as, as we dig into this, uh, the psalm has, uh, starts out with the statement, the main idea. It's right there at the beginning. And then, uh, right after that, it, it, it tells us what we should do in response. And, and finally, uh, it kind of fleshes it out in, in two spheres of influence. We're going to see the, the natural world, uh, uh, natural disasters and troubles that, that could fall upon us, and the political world, or the world of humankind, uh, you know, anything that man uh, could throw at us. And so we're going to see basically anything in this physical world that may give us trouble, and our God, who is a fortress, uh, our strength, a very present help in trouble. And then we're going to be left with a command, uh, uh, a command I hope that many of us are familiar with. Uh, this would be a great psalm to memorize. In fact, two of the verses repeat itself. And so you're really getting the power pack of 11 verses only for the memorization power of 10. So, you know, I encourage you, uh, memorize this psalm. It, it, it will really speak to us. And so... As we dig in, the first statement could be said over and over again. God is our refuge, our strength, a very present help in trouble. And some translations say an ever-present help in trouble. And that, that word refuge is, is kind of a, like a hiding place, a rock. Um, and then later he's, he's referred to as a fortress, which might be a, a high tower. The word is more of a, a strong tower. And so... So we can go and hide in God. And there's so many verses that, that say just that. And, and, and God tells us that he uh, wants to be our, our shield, our strength, our comfort. All that is good about men and women uh, is, is, made, is perfect in God. And, 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 and he, he makes us who he is. And, and, and he, he says he's our help. And, and we'll come to this at the end, um, but uh, I, I can't help but, but say that, that God wants to help us. And sometimes I know that God needs to be first in our lives, that we need to lift him and love him uh, first and, and others as ourselves second. And, 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 and sometimes I hear people talking about how God is for us, not against us, which is true and scriptural. And, and just the, the, the way they talk and the way they present it, it, it seems like they're all focused on, on, on us. 
you know, and, and my brain is saying, no, God needs to be first. Yes, God is here to help us. Yes, God is, is for us. And, and, and so I want to affirm that truth, uh, uh, but, but without, without diminishing who God is. And in fact, uh, in Genesis, when, and when Eve is described as a helpmate, that particular Hebrew word actually is used more often of God. And, and, and the Bible describes God as the helpmate of Israel. And, and so that, that speaks to us that God never intended for, for, for women to be seen as second class or lesser because no one's going to claim that God is, is second class or lesser. And, and, and so that word can't really be used uh, for that. And so God is our help and our refuge and our strength. And he's there all the time. And ever-present, very present. Have you ever thought about... Um, it's interesting that, that the, the ESV chose to say very present. And I think the reason why is because that doesn't make... Uh, why, why many of the other translations say ever-present. Because very present doesn't really make sense. How can you be more than present? You're either there or you're not there. But our Lord can you know, and, and in fact, I think Peter uh, picks up on this idea that uh, a day uh, uh, is like a thousand years to God and a thousand years is like a day. And so we kind of get the thousand years is like a day to God. We get that. He's the ancient of days. He's always existed. He always will. But, but a, a, a day is like a thousand years. We kind of, you know, I, I know myself, we just kind of gloss over that. We, we just, how is a day like a thousand? God is very present. He is in, in here in a way that we just don't understand. He knows everything. You know, it's, it's kind of like if we were playing a real-time strategy game. Uh, you know, this might be for our younger crowd. And, 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 you know, you've got a million things. It's all about multitasking and getting your little workers to get supplies and do things all over the screen. But the reality is you can only be in one place at a time. Your little mouse can only click on one little guy and tell one person to do one thing at a time. And you can do fast keys and commands, and, 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 and you can really zip back and forth, but you're still in one place at a time. And God is everywhere. He is ever-present. He is very present. And I, I read a, a book uh, that was very helpful called God Works the Night Shift, and at the time I was a night security guard, so it really, really fit. And, uh, and there's a lot of verses that talk about how in the middle of the night, God is there. The watchman on the tower, the watchman on the wall, uh, it is, God is there. And, and he never sleeps and he never slumbers. And the quality of God's presence is beyond measure. And, and actually, the point of the, the man's book, and forgive me, I, I, I forget his, his name, uh, but uh, God works the night shift in case you're curious. And the point was, we, we sin when we lose the sense that God is there. David sinned with Bathsheba because he thought he was all alone and could get away with it. And we sin when we lose that sense of God's presence. And God's presence in this psalm is the number one word because if you take his presence, if you take the phrase, he is in the midst of her, it's mentioned five times. And then uh, God is our, our, our refuge, and he is a strong tower. He is a fortress, is mentioned three times, and help is mentioned twice. 
And I've already given away my conclusion, but we'll get back to that. But I, I don't want to, you know, I feel like sometimes you really dig into the Psalms and you really just uh, unpack it and study it and, and, and you lose the beauty of it. And, and I just love the Psalms for, for the, the written worship of God. And, and the great thing about worship is that it involves all that we are, or at least it should, if we're doing it right. Um, and, and just the expelling of breath, you know, if we just sat there silently and listened to the words, we, we wouldn't be engaging with God and, and, and as much as if we're expelling breath, we're, we're expending energy, we're using our lungs, and, 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 it, and it affects us. And we're meant to, to give all to God. It's supposed to be emotional. It's supposed to be intellectual. It's supposed to be all of us. And the psalms reflect that. And they, they don't reflect just the happy times. Sometimes the psalmists really wrestle with some tough stuff. And they give it to God. And, and, and so I just, I just love the beauty of the psalms. And, and, and the imagery we have here is God the rock. God the fortress who will not move. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And, and, and so we have God who does not move. And we can, we can find our refuge and our strength in him. And then all around is just chaos. Utter chaos 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 that definitely fits the the time setting of hezekiah and and i mean just real briefly the uh during hezekiah's reign he was a king of judah um he saw the northern kingdom fall that happened during his reign that couldn't have been good as he saw assyria conquer syria and then he conquered the northern kingdom and then a few years later assyria set their eyes on judah and they, they took pretty much all the towns except for Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was besieged. So it totally fits this psalm. I can see why people think he wrote it. And that was a troubled time. But we live in troubled times today, and there were troubling times in Jesus' day, and there will be troubling times in the end. But I think this psalm transcends all these troubled times and even points to the end time. I mean, we've got some end-time imagery here. Mountains are being thrown into the heart of the sea. I have not yet to see that happen. And uh, uh, the, the earth melting away <laughs> because God utters his voice. And so we definitely have some end-time uh, imagery here. In fact, really, uh, uh, John, when he wrote the Apocalypse or Revelation, uh, uh, was pulling on all of the, the imagery of the entire Bible. Uh, he's pulling on, of course, the apocalyptic literature, Ezekiel, Daniel, and he's pulling on the Exodus plagues. You kind of see that. And, and, and uh, first and foremost, I think if any of us want to really dig into Revelation, it must be read in the light of what our, our Lord has said. Jesus' words on the end time, I think, trump all. And it shouldn't be that Revelation shapes how we see what Jesus said. It should be what Jesus said shapes how we see Revelation. But John also pulled on the imagery of the Psalms. And I think uh, 46 in particular. But he didn't just pull on the negative imagery. He pulled on the positive imagery. And, and so in this first uh, section, we have the natural world just going in pure chaos. 
and we have the political world going in chaos, and then he switches gear. We have that word selah. Uh, you may have heard this before. It's uh, a word we're not quite sure what it means. Uh, in fact, I, I skipped the little prologue to the psalm. There's a few words in there we're not sure that what they mean. The guess is that they're musical notations uh, uh, or uh, selah, uh, they think, might be a, a, a musical pause and more of a uh, cognitive pause to stop and think about uh, what you said. Uh, in our second uh, song, uh, 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 Great is Thy Faithfulness, we had a, a, a musical interlude. That's a great time to think about God's faithfulness. I was just thanking God during that time, praying to him, thanking him for who he was and his faithfulness. And so that's our best guess for Selah. And, and then... So in that second section, come, uh, uh, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, Jerusalem. And it totally fits, uh, you know, and I said I wasn't going to talk about Hezekiah, and here I am talking about Hezekiah. <laughs> that totally fits that scenery. I mean, Assyria, this massive empire, and, and Jonah had good reason to hate Assyria. If you know how brutal they were, uh, you'd totally get why Jonah didn't like them. And, and Assyria, this massive empire, uh, is, is, is all around. In fact, they besieged Jerusalem, and, and they weren't just happy with that. So while they had Jerusalem besieged, they actually started attacking other places. They're like, we'll just camp around Jerusalem, and it'll fall eventually, and we'll just keep conquering other things. They had their sights set on the whole world, or as much of it as they could grab. But Jerusalem stood, and you read Hezekiah, and it stood, and it was miraculous. And Hezekiah didn't have to do one thing. I take that back. He cried out to God. He trusted God. <laughs> Which, he wasn't part of the redemption. He didn't have to do anything for his redemption. But he had to cry out to God, and he had to trust him. And sometimes that takes a little bit more strength than I want to do, because I want to do something. If, if my wife or someone else tells me about their problem, my brain's thinking, okay, how can we fix this? What can I do? And sometimes, uh, men, your wife just wants someone to listen. <laughs> she doesn't necessarily want you to fix it. Um, in fact, usually we can't. <laughs> and so I want to do something, and sometimes God is telling us, uh, I'm going to do it. You need to trust me. You need to cry out to me. And, and I, I feel foolish when I, I'm in the midst of a, a trial, and I finally turn to God, and, and, and he takes care of me. And I'm like, why didn't I do that first? Why, why didn't I turn to him first? And, and I think that's what he's trying to teach us, to walk by faith day by day in the hard times and the good times and everything in between. And so he certainly taught that to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah may have pinned this, this thing in response, but, but I think Hezekiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit or whoever the psalmist was, uh, knew that this transcended the, the moments of the day. COVID will pass. Whatever struggles are in your life will pass. And in fact, Jerusalem fell uh, four or five generations, I forget which, uh, later. And so if we put our trust in things in this earth, they will fall. 
They will fade away. And in fact, that is the imagery of Revelation. The guiding theme of Revelation is that God is in his throne room. And though there is a battle raging on, the war is already won in heaven. And God is supreme. And, and, and that is the Jerusalem that we will one day hope to join. Mount Zion. Uh, Zion is, is the temple mount. And, and, and the, the true temple in heaven will stand for all eternity. God's kingdom is forever. And anything that we put our trust in on this earth, and that's, that's the whole point of this psalm. The visible world, the physical world, the chaos that is all around us will fade away. It will fail. So come behold the works of the Lord, verse 8. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. That has yet to happen. And so there's, there's definitely, this is end times visionary, but, but it also applies to us. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, burns the chariots with the fire. Chariot was like the, the top military weapon. If you had chariots, you, you were on, on, on cloud nine. You could build an empire. And although our technologies have increased, the heart of man stays the same. And then... God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. We know that. And yet, the psalmist is saying, this is what we will do, or will not do, actually. We won't fear. And yet, he gives us a command from God himself. Um, uh, most translations have that in quotes. Uh, God is speaking in the first person to us through the psalmist, and God says, be still. Well, wait a minute, you know, we already determined we won't fear. We're going to trust in God. And I, I think that's just the, the wisdom of God who knows the, the frailty of humanity. And, and I see that, I love that in the, you can, in the story of the father of the demons' possessed boy right after Jesus comes off of the transfiguration he comes down and he finds out his disciples couldn't cast the demon out of this little boy uh, and, and uh, Jesus takes care of it and he tells the father if you believe uh, I can cast out this demon and the father very <laughs> insightfully says I believe help my unbelief and as a young Christian and a young man, I, I thought, man, that's really weird. I don't get that. And now I do. <laughs> and just how much we need God, even in, in this act of faith. How, how, and, and, and I heard about a, a, a sister um, in Indonesia, and she was being tortured uh, uh, for her faith. And the, the, the Muslims were, were trying to get her to recant her faith. And she cried out. She said, Lord, I do not want to betray you. Help me. And I began to understand just how frail we are and how much we need God in every moment of our life, especially in these tense moments. And so even though we have determined not to fear, God is telling us, be still. And the Hebrew word literally means take your hands off. 
Get your hands off. Stop doing. And so, so we see this imagery of God who is immovable, who is still himself, who cannot be moved, and, and, and he's safe and secure, and he's a mighty fortress. And then just the chaos is swirling around. Both the, the world is in upheaval, and the political kingdoms are rising and falling, and, and, and uh, you know, almost like a waves crashing against a lighthouse, and the lighthouse remains. And I know in my own life, it's so easy to get caught up into the craziness that, that, that hits us day to day. And God is commanding us, stop your strivings, stop your worries, stop your struggles, be still and rest in me. And uh, uh, I had a professor who kind of influenced me, uh, I don't know, uh, how positive or negative this was, but he, you know, everyone has their little personal soapboxes, and he grew up during what was uh, called the Keswick uh, theology. Uh, you might not be familiar with that term, but I'm sure you've heard that let go, let God phrase came out of the these Keswick, uh, that's a place in England, uh, uh, philosophies that, you know, they conferences, and, 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 and it's true. God here is telling us, be still and know that I am God. And yet, I think the theology just took it a little far, and, and, and our human tendency always wants to run with something, doesn't it? Take it way further than it ever intended. And, and uh, we, we, we took it to a place where, where we basically just sat on our haunches and, and said, okay, God, you do all the work. And that's not what God's saying. He's saying, when, when it comes to the trouble in your life, you need to seek me out first. And we all know many verses that tell us to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. And, and, and that so parallels, be still and know that I am God. It's not, just don't, it's not just a stopping of what you're doing. It's an acknowledgement of who God is. It's an acknowledgement of his character and then a resting in him and a looking for him for what to do next. And until we receive that word, I'm going to stay in you. And let's face it, uh, there are very few times in our life where we just have to make that split moment decision. And, and, and we, we have uh, people in our lives that, that have jobs like that. Uh, police, EMT, uh, uh, medical workers, firemen, they have to make those split-minute life or decision, and, and they need our prayer. I'd like to encourage you to pray for, for our government and, and our leaders, but also those people in, in, in that put themselves in harm's way uh, on our behalf. Whenever I see an, uh, any ambulance or, or, or fire truck or police car go by with sirens blazing, that, that just, Lord, help them. Help them to stay safe. Help them in whatever it is they're doing, because I have no clue. They need our prayer, and they need the Lord, because they're doing stuff that most of us don't have to do. I mean, in my life, I rarely have to make those split decisions. I can say, well, I'll just uh, consider this. I'll, I'll, I'll think about what's right, and I'll pray, and I'll seek God's will in this. That, that's what most of us get to do. And God is telling, stop your struggles and know who I am. And that, that really leads us uh, to the whole point of the psalm and, and to our application. And 
I have three points of application, but the first pre-point, if I can cheat, is, is that you have to know God personally for any of this to be real, for any of this to be true. You have to have a relationship with God. Uh, and uh, we, of course, uh, are always preaching that the way we have that is through faith in Jesus Christ. If, uh, if any of you are considering that or thinking about that, like, like Corey said, you can come speak to one of us afterwards, or you can uh, contact the church uh, throughout the week, and, and we, that's what we're here for. The reality is that we have messed up. You know, this, the imagery is the world bombarding, but sometimes uh, the chaos in our life is our own doing. And the Bible tells us that we have all sinned and fall short of, glory, uh, of the glory of God. And we all need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. And, and if we, we confess our sin to Him and ask us to, to forgive us and repent of our sin, then He will save us. That's what we preach. That's what we're here about. And, and, and none of the character of God, uh, none of the promises of God will mean anything unless you belong to him. I had a Sunday school teacher that, that was sharing in, in class one day. It was my 11th and 12th grade Sunday school teacher. And uh, he was telling me how he was in a department store shopping. And, and this little kid was just being a brat to his parents, to the to the lady who is trying to help him put on shoes and, and just uh, unbearable brat. And he was thinking in his head, that kid needs a spanking. Now, whether or not you believe in spanking, that kid needed some form of discipline. But this is what he said. If I loved him, I would have done it. But he's not my kid. We need to know God if we want to rest in the promise of who he is and what he does for us, we need to know him. And as I mentioned before, the, the three things that this psalm teaches us about the character of God is his presence. The greatest promise of God is himself. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, the author of Hebrews reminds us of, again, from the psalms. And... God's very presence is his greatest promise, that we, he is with us here and now. And I, I think sometimes as Christians we get caught up into the promises that will one day be perfected in heaven, but we start thinking about the promises that we'll get in heaven, and we, we kind of lose focus of, of today. But God uh, uh, wants to take care of his children today. It's not just, okay, now that you belong to me, one day you'll be in heaven and, and get all the goodness there. God's blessings are for today. God wants to take care of us today. Uh, I, I encourage my Sunday school class uh, to read uh, Romans 8. Romans 8 starts with, in Greek, starts with the word now. And the first word is always, uh, well, not always, mostly uh, usually what, what they're trying to emphasize, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so that's now. And if, if you have someone who's struggling with whether or not they're saved or, or, or the assurance of their salvation, it's not a future pie-in-the-sky thing. It's a today thing. And God wants to give us that insurance now. Uh, that we can know that God, that we belong to God, and that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
And in fact, the entire uh, ch- chapter uh, of Romans 8 is just full of promises for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, not later. And so God's presence is his greatest promise. And, and we see it's most numerous here. Run to his presence. And when we, when we start to, to realize that because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, his presence is with us. And, and the reason that we sometimes don't feel it is because we're choosing to walk away from him. He is there. He is always there. He is very there. And then, of course, his second presence is he is a a refuge, a a stronghold, a a place that we can hide in. Uh, If if you're like me and you've had days where you just want to hide under the desk or days where you wish you had never gotten out of bed, turn to God. He can help us through those days. He can help us through, through times like Hezekiah. He can help us through COVID. He can help us through the end times. And he is our help. God is for us, not against us. Uh, he wants to help us. He wants to give us the desires of our heart, but we have to delight in him. And a lot of times that means he changes our heart. He, he makes it better. I heard a guy, uh, forgive me, I never know how to pronounce his last name, Nick Uh, You look him up on YouTube, Life Without Limbs. He has a great ministry. He's a great preacher, pretty solid preacher. I've heard him preach. I've heard him do interviews. And he was born with no arms or legs. And he he has one little kind of uh, flipper-like limb. And, And coming from a man like that, and he talks about the depression he went through. He talks about the depression his parents went through. He talks about his suicide attempts. And, and I can't imagine living life like that. And now God has given him such great joy. He has a wife and children. And, and uh, it's just amazing. And when he stands there up on stage and he says, when we bring our request to God as his children, he's either going to grant it or he has something better planned. And, and that's true. God is our help. And he wants to help us all the time. And, and I, I've, I've, you know, I, I've really backed off from Facebook. Uh, I think uh, social media can be toxic at times. I'm not saying, you know, get rid of all social media. But, but it can really be toxic at times. And, and it, it was really jarring to me uh, to have one friend that's just pouring out their heart, struggling with cancer, and another friend's posting what they ate that day. And I, I, I really didn't handle that well. And, 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 uh, and then another friend would be saying, you know, I, I couldn't find my keys and I prayed to God and, and I found them and then someone else pipes in. That's so shallow. How could you be using God like that? And, and, and this raging hate debate goes on and, and, and I couldn't handle that. But I, I know, you know, if that's all you ever ask God is how to find your keys or help you find a parking spot, yeah, that is shallow. But if you belong to God and that's something you care about, ask Him. And hopefully you're turning to Him in the hard times. I hope that's not all you're ever asking God. 
that, that you are turning to him when you can't find your keys and you, you want a good parking spot, but that you are turning to him when, when your child is, is, is rebelling and you, or your brother, uh, you're not sure where they stand spiritually or, or you're wrestling with cancer or, or, or your boss just yelled at you that day. We need to turn to God all the time. And then I, I think he takes delight in, in his children turning to him in the littlest of things. So that's my stance on that. I hope, hope it doesn't bring up a raging debate. So God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. And to know him is the key to know his glory, to know his righteousness, to know that he is present, to know that he is in our midst, to, to know that he is our refuge and our strength, and to know that he is our help.